da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Hello, ma'am fam. Welcome back to another episode of Mad About Movies podcast. I am your host for today, Brian Gill. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, as always, Mr. Kit Garrison and Mr. Richard Barden, Canadian superstar Richard Barden. How's it going, fellas? First uh, ma'am of 2019. Yeah, yeah. sixth sixth year of ma'am. Crazy crazy so many people all the haters uh which i mean losers faced, and haters losers yeah. and haters we faced a lot of them said we would never make it to year six that was the line mm-hmm. all per, kind of perpetually everybody was willing to give even the, the people who hated us the most were willing to give us five years but not six <laughs> that's where they said there's no there's no six, freaking way six seasons in a movie guys we're, we are <laughs> yeah one well, year away well, from six way. seasons in a movie yeah, yeah we're getting close man you're i mean Probably a Canadian movie at this point, but uh, you know that's some yeah, good it's stuff actually. I wanted Canada. to talk to you guys. We've actually, uh, I had some news I, with this thing. Uh, we we're we're going to change the name of the show to Mad Boot Movies. <laughs> Perfect. So, Perfect. Yeah, Richard. Yeah. Richard is uh, officially the Gene Shallot of Canada now. <laughs> He's Canada's Gene Shallot. It's in his uh, love it Twitter. Growing my mustache as quickly as possible. Yeah, I keep. Yeah, every time they call, they don't give us much warning on these things. And I've been working. We've mm-hmm. been working on this project for work. So I've been working at my boss's house a couple days a week, and I'm I'm always over there. So if you're ever wondering why I'm in this weird vacant house, <laughs> um, that's why. Yeah, it's we so funny to... that uh, the first time they reached out, and they were like, "Hey, is anybody uh, available to do this thing?" and and it was like I think Christmas Eve or something, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah close enough." Is anybody yeah. anybody available? And Richard's like, "Yeah, I can do it." And then like this last time, they were just like, "Is Richard Barden available?" To do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They're like we need yeah. uh, Canada's Dean Shallot, please, Richard Barden. <laughs> He's already yeah, <laughs> call him by call him by his name. Because you'll, you'll know it sooner name. or later. Full yeah. name, full name. Yeah, It'll Richard Barton the fourth. The fourth yeah. next time. Yeah, <laughs> that's make um, them, next time you email with them. Please demand that. Like, hey, so I, I don't want to make. A what big we're deal talking about is uh, Richard is uh, great. Been doing CTV, I guess it's like Canada's <laughs> CNN, CT- CTV, CTV News, News. Yeah. CTV yep. News Channel. Yeah, mm-hmm. so check Richard out on that, and check us yeah, out on Talk Sport every Wednesday as well. In the yeah. Yeah, we are Eventually so much we'll bigger in, in the Canada. US. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're so much bigger in Canada, the UK, and Australia than we are on our own shores. It's just, just funny. Mm. Yep. Maybe we Story should just switch life. citizenship. Like, I don't know. Just we're like Josh Ritter. No, it's <laughs> it's uh it's weird. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I will say it again. I did this a little bit before on one of the other episodes, but uh, last time before I went on, I had the feet in my ear, and it was a uh, priest. Um, <laughs> sexual assault segment, which mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. a weird per- segue. Perfect segue. Mm-hmm, and then yeah. this time, uh, <laughs> and I love my col- my colleagues at CTV, <laughs> and I and I'm you know He's we all big time in us, Kent. He's big time in us. For me, was hockey scores of some international tournament. <laughs> as you guys know, I don't, I don't. Not only do I not follow hockey, I don't believe in it. Figure skating is um, a beautiful sport. <laughs> no, Kent's the hockey guy in this show. But anyway, and then I was like, oh, okay, good. This will be a little more of an easy transition. And then then they start talking about a hockey player who was uh, 
there was a sexual assault issue, and now he, he but he got married this weekend, so that's good for him, <laughs> I guess. And uh, and then they did a eulogy for Super Dave Osborne, not for oh. Bob Einstein, but for Super <laughs> Dave Osborne, as if that was his real name, and then through to me. So it's perfect. I was perfect. My wife told me, she goes, you looked really angry at the beginning. And I was like, I think I must have just been confused. I have kind of RBF in that right. way. And I I was just trying you're, to sort out for the Super stern, Dave. serious critic this last time. Yeah. Right. I know. Talk I did about the politics of, of uh, a certain Netflix movie that shall remain. The other name. bad thing was I'm wearing the same thing that I wore in the first one. <laughs> That's the, I wore it eight Man, days apart. and one I set of clothes and yeah. lives in this... And, kind of shabby house thing looks like in the background it's, it's yeah funny. well it's not that it's a great house Brent has i know a great house, i know but he's a uh single dude so there's no any kind of wall <laughs> decorations as we all would do if we didn't have women right. around you know it's just like blank so it's fine it's just weird on yeah. camera because it looks like i'm in an insane asylum but it's a lovely lovely home it's like but uh that's ahead, uh Cameron. that's gonna be one of your next bits is um <laughs> Is wearing the same thing, and then they always request you on FaceTime, so that's their official right. way. So I guess if you they have FaceTime, FaceTime you can yep. you can um, be a guest on CTV. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, your bit's gonna be just what locations you can be in next. Like, are you in a radio shack? <laughs> didn't, didn't that go out of business? Or? I know we still like, have yeah, one actually, here, yeah, just I'm one radio shack. Uh, if they get me on a normal day, I can pick somewhere funny to be, or at yeah. least. Yeah, just be just eating like un, you know unlimited <laughs> soup salad and breadsticks at Olive Garden. Be like, you just like <laughs> at the table, like literally just like cutting into your pasta. Yeah, can I get an extra black olive? Yeah, with the AirPods here, yeah. in as you're like your microphone. You know, you're not even like both <laughs> hands are I'm, being utilized uh, to eat. I think I should go to the. Uh, I think I should go to the local movie theater and set up before, so I'm in the mm-hmm. theater as like mm-hmm. a good yeah. backdrop or. Get one of those green screen curtains behind me and just leave yeah. it green. So when they FaceTime me in, I'm like, I'm sorry, I thought you guys were gonna put me in Paris or something. Just or be like, and, oh, in and front keep of the talking theater, about how I'm really annoyed con. about the people like walking by. I'd be like, I just, uh, I'm recording a live I'm, hit. I, so I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm live. I'm at the theater. It's just, it's always a yeah, thing I'm to come a... here. People with their family. <laughs> Sharon, I told you to get popcorn earlier, not before the previews. <laughs> Be... <laughs> There's I'm the girl that thinks Blaine is the like, best here movie at, ever. Uh, here at Sundance, uh, we are, and I'm clearly not at Sundance. There's <laughs> the blank green screen behind me. Sorry, I thought you guys were going to take care of that. CNN, wow, you guys do. really made me look stupid. Thanks, thanks for that, Candid. Yeah. I guess I'm going to go over to HLN. <laughs> so yeah, follow us on uh, at Mad About Movies on Facebook and Twitter, where you can see Richard on. Um, and his his Canadian star walk of fame <laughs> ceremony will be in a year right, now. Right. Which it's is leaf. Canada's Gene Shallow. Which I'll, it's an actual I will, leaf. I will, I will, yeah. I will go to my grave making sure that your walk of fame star says Canada's <laughs> Gene Shallot. I love Gene Shallot. I'm fine with that. That's so great. He so is great. A, he is yeah. Semi American treasure quality. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely American I mean, treasure mustache. Yeah, his mustache yeah. is. Yeah. Speaking of American good. treasures. You can get a whole vest on it. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, the Funk Man. It's a uh, yeah. yeah, that one's tough. Start the year off that one's tough. in the worst way. That's, that's a rough. Yeah. That's a rough start, man. 
All right. Can we can we just go ahead and make him an American treasure right here yeah. at this moment? Because he's he's yeah. always perpetually like one of my nominees, and then I sub somebody else in at the last second. I feel way like to go. Idiot. You go ahead, add him. I love add him, him to so the much. ranks. All right. All right. Good the engraving. Let, I say both. Let's make Bob Einstein and also Funkhauser American <laughs> Party Funkhauser <laughs> as two separate people. Yeah. Yeah. How great, great is this? That was the best. My friend <laughs> Steven so, always has the so best death jokes. And I texted Stephen and told him Bob Einstein died, and he wrote back immediately, "How sad is this?" <laughs> the best, the best uh, funk man moment in the whole curb is when it, it's not the joke because that that's been going around a lot. That that's a good yeah. one, but it's right before the joke when when they're at the table read and Larry looks over and sees him, and he's like, "What? Why is Funk Funkhauser here?" And then he. Looks up, he's like, LD, big day. <laughs> and he's got a whole <laughs> he's got a plate of like catering, <laughs> like craft services, like the fruit, oh. like salad and everything. Uh it's so a great bit. Um so great. So great yeah, Super man, Dave as piece. well. Wow. But he's the best. Oh. Always it, it's Did always sad, this? obviously, when somebody, especially a comedian, dies. Obviously, I don't want them to die. But I am I always enjoy the the eulogies that come out after it's, it's interesting. You can see like the people who really made an impact, right? Uh, especially in in comedy, and you get all these beautiful flowing eulogies written about how great he was, what a great dude he was, in addition to how great of a comedian he was, and the bits that he was just so committed to. And one of the man, best Letterman great. guests ever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's definitely. in the pantheon of of Letterman. Just really tickled Dave, which uh, Dave was kind of early on him, I think, before a lot of people. You know, yeah. he just made that one they showed around where he has the presidential relics. Have you seen that? That's been going yes. around, Brian. Yes, so great. He, he goes on that rant about Dan Quayle, and then they're like, "Who's yes. Jack in the Boxes?" That was Dan Quayle's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a great one. It's the best. Well, it's the best. Not a great way to start off the year, but no. no. We do like to start off the year with Mean Gene too, Kent. Yeah. We um the captain. We um are doing our best of the year list in a couple weeks. I think we got one more episode, uh, one more week of episodes before we do our full top 10 worst best and worst of the year list. But mm-hmm. but we, what we are going to do is look back at our favorite things from last year that aren't necessarily movies, right? Right. So right. favorite yeah, four. Did, favorite four. Right. Yeah. Favorite four. We did this last year, and it, it seemed to get a, a pretty decent reaction from the listener. And by that, I mean it gave me something to post on Instagram that day, which is always helpful. Uh, and, yeah, so we're, we're picking four things that are pop culture related, you know, an album, a uh, book, something tech-related, TV app whatever uh four things that are not movie related that uh that for each of us that we loved in in 2018 so who wants to who wants to kick us off with this this uh beautiful amazing thing that we do this just spreading some love all over the place for uh for these let's draw numbers (laughs) i can go i can go first sure Uh, hit us arby hit me with one there's you know it wasn't a great year for music um there was some a lot of good stuff, but no, no real like. I was looking at like the, the kind of consensus best albums of the year, and it's like, oh yeah, a lot of those are very good. But uh, it wasn't a great year for music. But I wanted to pick a, a record that I knew you guys wouldn't pick because a lot of our mm. our music uh, taste converges. 
Um, and so I wanted to pick something I knew. So I'm going to go with a pop album, actually. Um, I love Robin. And uh, all, she only makes an album like every nine years, and they're always awesome. And uh, Honey by Robin is no different. So very Euro poppy and awesome. And if you liked Call Your Girlfriend nine years ago, whenever that came out, you'll like this. And uh, <laughs> Dancing and, on my uh, own. She's still dancing yep. on her own. Yep, she's still dancing around, and I don't know. I love Robin. I just think all I love her songs that song. Are, I love dancing yeah. on my own. That's one of it. There's like so, ten different cover versions of that that are awesome too. <laughs> I know. So you know a song is good is when every cover yeah. version is good too. Yeah, exactly. So I love her, and I love. It's always cool when she has an album, and this is to me the best pop out of the year. And I knew you guys wouldn't pick it, so I'm going to go. Nice. Probably a top nice. three album for me overall. So uh, yeah, there you go. Awesome, Kent. You have a uh, you got a music pick. I do. I have a music pick. Uh, this is I second Richard. This is a tough year for kind of new release records. Um, Hip hop was very big this year. Uh, Wyoming sessions put that on my recommend uh, mm. for this year. Mm. But um, I'll I, I was gonna probably the album that I've listened to the most. By the way, I'm sick. By the way, and uh, <laughs> that's why I'm probably not going to talk a lot, and I'm going to keep this short. But uh, probably the album that I've listened to the most is um, by Beach House. I don't know if you guys are Beach House fans, yeah. but I'm a big Beach yeah. House guy. That was and, on my uh, list as well, yep. The album's called Seven, and all their albums are great. Uh, they're probably one of the more consistent bands in history. Mm-hmm. All their albums, sure. you could put all every song that they have on shuffle, and it would sound like one giant album. Um, they're very good, and uh, Seven's probably my favorite record of theirs uh, over the past I don't know Depression Cherry was great too a couple years ago but uh, really good stuff Seven from Beach House is uh, is stellar and I've listened to it I just listened to that probably the most I don't know if it's going to be my favorite next year but uh, I would say Mm -hmm. probably got the most spins in different you know it's great to put on while you're studying or working or driving or whatever Um, very good so uh, Beach House nice Seven nice yeah what about you Brian yeah, I'm 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 with you guys. I I uh I listen to far less new music each year than than you guys do, but it was not this was I I buy physical uh I'm a I'm a record guy, yeah. so do you I, buy I, anything I buy, this year? Yeah, I I bought less this year than I have yeah. in any of the the last uh 3 or 4 years for sure. And and a lot of what I bought was uh, older stuff or, you know, at least it wasn't stuff that Yeah, that was my, yeah, it my wasn't problem. New I I discovered a lot of records this year or I got a lot of sure. reissues, like I got a couple of the Prince reissues mm-hmm. and um but not a lot of stuff that came out in t- 2018. Uh I think the Casey yeah. Musgraves yeah. album I got that uh but I got a couple of other records that came out Either in 2017 or before, yeah. But didn't yeah. not not a lot of new release stuff other than some hip hop records, sure. like I said yeah. earlier. But uh, but yeah, this has been yeah, a, it was, it's been a different year for for rock music. Sure, definitely. That so was a, a little bit of a down. year for me. Yeah, probably. yeah. Well, my my uh, my favorite album of the year actually it came out so early in the year that I actually thought it was 2017 until I was going back and look. But it's Brandy Carlile. By the way, I forgive you, and that has been my. That I've I've listened to that uh, dozens of times on on the old uh, the old record player while I'm trying to write or uh, work on podcast stuff. It's a great backdrop. I can't wait to see her when she gets to uh, when she comes to Dallas next uh, or this year, I guess in in yeah. April. I'm very excited about that. So great album, two or three songs that would I think would qualify as as uh, 
singles, at least as far as singles go these days or with that kind of music, but uh, album wide, it's man, it's really good. And it, it plays very well as a whole too, which is nice. It's nice when you, it's nice for me when it's like uh, an album that has a couple of, uh, of peaks that you can listen to on their own, but that also flows as an album from yeah. song one to song 10 or 11 or whatever it is. So yeah, loved it. Love great album. And, um, man, I'm stoked to see her in, in April. Oh, awesome. Very good. So, okay. Uh, let's, let's go back to you, Richard. You, you keep, keep the, uh, keep the lead going here. Give us, give us something else that you liked in, in 2018, a favorite. Yeah. I'll go with a book. Um, tried to read more current stuff this year, but a lot of the stuff I read was from 2017. Uh, so this is one that you actually read from 2018, a uh, book that's going to be a movie here in a couple years. Could be uh, the next Adam McKay movie I heard is uh, Bad Blood by John Kerry. It's about Theranos, um, the tech company that was kind of very fraudulent and uh, healthcare tech company. And uh, it's a really Man, great read. It knocked out half the population, I heard. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> yeah, <honest>. but, <laughs> with a snap of their fingers. But it's a great character study and is a really meaty book and uh, – Really interesting, all the people um, that were involved in kind of either in the fraud or being, you know, put under the fraud. Um, mm. So it's it's definitely a, definitely a, a, a great read. And John Kerry, who, who wrote all the Wall Street Journal pieces as well that exposed the company, wrote the book. And so it's excellent. So bad blood. Nice. Nice. Kit, uh, do you yep. have a book recommend or you got something else you want to uh, slide in there? I do have a couple of book recommends. I don't know. I'll separate them into separate recommends or do them both now. Sure. But uh, yeah. um, one one book that I really enjoyed this year was uh, I think Rick, Richard's probably recommended it in the past on the show and a, and a weekly recommends. I don't know if you did it for your favorite four or anything like that, but uh, it's called Hitmakers. Oh yeah, that's a great one. And it's uh, it's basically just about uh, popularity. And why certain things get popular and certain things don't. Derek psych- Thompson, right? Yeah, and in the the psych the psychology of why people like certain things, and uh, why certain apps get big and some don't, mm. even though they're the same functionality and things like that. So it's called Hitmakers: uh, How to Succeed in an Age of Distraction by Derek Thompson. Yeah, you're right, Richard. And uh, nice. so I read that one. That's a really good read if you're into uh, marketing or. Uh, you know, digital, social media, anything like that. Uh, that's a good one. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably save my next one for, uh, the next go around, but I got, cool. I got two more recommends after that, nice. but yeah, nice. that's a, that's a book hit makers. So you like that one, Brian, if you haven't read it. I'm going to check that one out. Yeah, this this sure. is how my reading typically goes is, is, uh, especially with Richard, cause Richard, you read so much like political stuff and i just i just want you to tell me what to read basically so next year i have like three or four of your weekly recommends on my <laughs> from this year on my oh, so nice. watch list or my queue or whatever for uh for reading and consumption this year uh my favorite book this year was a was actually a, a novel i tend to read more nonfiction that i really enjoy and a lot of like background type sci-fi books as like well that was it was just kind of uh, something to chew on while I was working or whatever. But I read uh, the, the newest – I love Simon Rich. I've always loved him. He's incredibly talented Man, comedian, the right? Just the, one of the funniest people of all time and a truly a brilliant writer. I've I've read, I don't know, three or four of his, his previous books and, and short stories collections. This year 
he put out hits and misses. I know I I made it a weekly recommend at some point. You may have as well, Richard. I think I did. It yeah. is maybe the funniest thing I've ever like I was I was trying to read one or a couple of the stories I was trying to read in bed. My wife was already asleep. And I'm reading on my my iPad or whatever, and I had to leave the room because I was laughing so hard. Like I could not, I could not contain myself. And it's brilliant. Some of the stories in there are like the most high concept, incredibly yes. funny ideas. The jester is the jester is a masterpiece. Of, <laughs> like yeah, it's just like handed down from the mountain. I mean, it's just it's such a perfect, beautiful story. and hilarious, hilariously written. And I loved. Uh, <laughs> I love what the foosball. The foosball one was yeah. unbelievable. So hits and misses. Simon Rich is is my favorite book of the year, and and could not could not recommend that highly enough. I tend to be quite slow reading when I'm reading uh, an actual book, not listening to it on audiobook. I I'll read a couple pages and set it down. It's just time and attention span and all that. And I read that in two sittings, maybe three tops, because it just was so so funny, so good. So hits and misses. Simon Rich is my book of the year. Uh, Richard, what what else you got, man? Give us give us something else. I think it's still got, I think it's still Kent's term. Right? Oh no, Kent did a. That's right, it's me again. Uh, I'll just go like Netflix streamy TV thing. I mean, I talked it up, so I have to do it. The Sandler <laughs> special was great, so we got to go. Um, Adam Sandler, one hundred percent fresh. I really enjoyed the return to my adolescence, and uh, my favorite kind of thing to watch and uh th- this year, and it was kind of tied with one other thing, but but since I talked this one up, I'll. I'll go with it. But yeah, it's it's a really silly, fun, wonderful piece of... Uh, and it's it's really put together well. I think it's a really innovative piece of content as well, which I hate using. I don't mean to sound like <laughs> some weird uh, entertainment writer, but it, it really is. It's it's really innovative. Nice. Nice. It is. It's one of the funniest things I've seen in the last decade. It's <laughs> I've watched it a couple of times as a... Like showing friends, like, hey, man, you really got to see this. It's... And... Almost everybody has the same reaction that I had to you when you were recommending. I was like, are you doing a bit? Are you trying to get me to watch something terrible? And no, it's hilarious. Truly hilarious. Kit, you got anything TV, streamy, anything else that uh, jumps out of you you want to share? Yeah, I want to recommend a couple of shows on HBO that I got into this year. Um, One of those being a comedy, Barry, if you guys haven't Mm. uh, gone back and watched it. Have you gone back and watched it, Brian? Dude, I haven't. I'm like, and I've been seeing... I've been seeing uh <clears throat> Hater talk about season two and so I will I will make it happen before season two. I think I would like four or five episodes behind. Yeah, yeah. Um that one's a good one and uh Westworld, of course. Uh nice. got into that one again this next go round. Game of Thrones is back on this year. I'm sure I'll get back onto that one too. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, Barry, mm-hmm. I would suggest getting on that train sooner rather than later. Uh so that that was a show I really enjoyed in two thousand and eighteen. Nice. Yeah. I I feel bad for not watching that one. I know Richard doesn't feel bad about not watching TV anymore. I still do because I love <laughs> I love Hater. That's a really and easy it was a watch. Really, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of great American treasure types. Uh, no, that's on all. the list. I'll get to that eventually, I'm sure. It's just, nice. I'll wait for like a what I think I'm go, I'm going to uh Italy in September and I'm mm, thinking look about at you. I know. Canadian TV money just <laughs> no, Well, I'm time. going with Candace Bergen. And, uh, <laughs> you got to keep your marriage. Brian story. Adams. It's a Brian Adams right. series. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I think that's for the flight. I've already kind of earmarked uh, maybe both seasons of Barry might be Sweet. the move. Load Sweet. up an iPad with that. That's strong. My TV play for the, the year, my favorites. I'm... <sighs> 
since Kent split it, he he started the trend. I'm going to split mine as well. I I don't feel like I can uh, walk out of this year without talking about how great the final season of The Americans was. It was the best show on television for at least a couple years, I think, and and ended incredibly well. Loved loved the finish and felt like they really handled. Uh, the dismount incredibly well. Uh, you guys are either of you guys caught up on that? Was I alone? I, I know no, Richard I isn't. I oh, you did. It, yeah. Sweet, good, mm-hmm. good. Can't yeah, did you finish I finished that one? It slowly but Sweet. surely, but awesome. like very in chunks. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I love love the end. Uh, but now, like now that it's over, I I really think my f- definitely my favorite, if not the best show on TV right now, is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which dropped season two came out be the end of uh, I guess the beginning of December. And it was such a, a fun, quick, great watch. I I love I love that I love her. I love that show. It's um, right I, for both of you. I think is is right up your alley. Uh, despite I've seen a lot of it. It's on in my it's, house a lot. So I've probably seen like six episodes of you know what I mean spread out mm-hmm, across sure. fifteen yeah. episodes. So which is kind of how I've decided to watch TVs now because it kind of gives me a feel <laughs> for things, but I don't have the anxiety of. 40 hours of something sitting there right, um, right and yeah i mean i was i'm not early on much big brosnahan guy early and so this yes yeah. i am reaping all the stock benefits. you have to watch well, everything with anyone from mad tvs involved you have to watch it yeah no that is true that right. is true so right. you're yep. watching a lot of uh will sasso mm-hmm. content and michael mcdonald but not that michael it's hard, mcdonald it's hard to find you gotta go to a lot right. of walmart or five dollar yeah. bins to find right. Find a lot of the Sasso. content, but super jacked calves on Sasso. If you ever noticed that, yeah. it's always weird to yeah. me for a big guy. Who would you have bet all in on from Mad TV that was going to be like <laughs> the next face of comedy? Any of them? You Cause, know, because there was a time when, like, I don't know, there there was three or four people on there that were being talked about more than anyone on SNL at the time. Yeah, here's a weird thing about me: I'm very brand loyal. And so I've never seen Mad About TV. Mad Mad TV. We're Mad About TV. We're Mad About. <laughs> I've never seen. I've never seen Mad. I've never seen Mad TV. I, you could Are you name, serious? I'm serious. I don't. I I was an SNL person. Team SNL, bro, all the way. Wow. I mean, it was it wasn't even like in an angry way, but it's just like I would never. I'm very Man. loyal to my brands. Wow, that's a, yeah. That actually, that actually. I don't, uh, would never use. I like Windex. I would me. never use a competitor to Windex. <laughs> very. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm I'm a brand guy as well. I but it wasn't that I was watching SNL. I just never watched. I never watched Matt TV. It was the wrong. I think I was the wrong age. To, People talk uh, about it all the time to me. Like to make references. It. It's weird because I'm. I mean, it's very relevant. There's a lot of sketches on that that are. I can't name them. Yeah. But. Apparently really resonate with people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. always like, yeah, you're speaking Mandarin to me. I don't know. That's I don't funny. know who that is. When people would show up and then I would look them up and then <laughs> they would have a mad TV background, like I'd be like, cool. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the cast my... right now and I found the winner. I know who the funniest Alex person Borstein, on the show is. Alex Borstein, Michael McDonald, sure. Will Sasso. Uh, it's definitely, it's Frank Caliendo, bro. That's that's. He the was funny. on. Oh, that's I, where the I didn't is. remember him. That was maybe after my time. I must have been out of out Yeah, I have no clue. He's the worst. Uh, yeah, Ike Barinholtz and uh, Wow, Kim he's Peele, from there. Both. Karen yeah. Killam. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Andy okay. Daly. Yeah. It's just Orlando Jones, obviously a <laughs> pillar of comedy. Hmm, makes seven up yours. Seven up commercials. Yeah, two sides. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. evolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Mila Kunis, apparently. Anyway, uh, obviously, we'll wow. Valderrama. Uh, right, we're okay. done with that. Yeah, right. what, what tangible yeah. were we on there? Uh, <laughs> Who hey, knows? speaking of Mad TV, this is a perfect segue. Uh, one of the only books that I read this year, only I because it's a long book, um, mm-hmm. is the SNL book, Live from New York. Oh, yeah. oh and nice. It's like yeah. 700 pages or something crazy. Awesome. But That's I finally got, finally got through that one. Slowly but surely, and it's greatness. Um, and uh, basically, the thesis of the book is Chevy Chase is an a hole. Like yeah, that's yeah. literally that's the thesis of, of a seven hundred page right. book about SNL. It's like the the one yeah. sentence summary. Yeah, okay. killed me because it right. it ruined my doctoral thesis. Yeah, which, <laughs> which was is, in molecular biology. Yeah, so you, that was you had to change tricky. your thesis. Yeah, but I proved it. I proved it using cells. So yeah. <laughs> I was able to prove it. Yes. But yeah, that's, that's a, a great, great book. One. That's a great, great book. Any, yeah. If anyone's a fan of that, live from New York, all it is is just quotes of people that were yeah. involved in mm-hmm. SNL, and it's a great oral it's a really really fun, easy read. Good yeah. seven hundred page read for you, right? It's a good <laughs> one. ESPN book that that Miller did is very good too. Is it, I haven't is read like the, the same CAA style? one. Yeah, it's an oral history. Same. Oh man, same I thing. need I need yeah. to get that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's even it's like probably yeah. it's closer to like a thousand pages. Probably. I mean, it's bigger than. You can audible them though, and they mm-hmm. have yeah. uh, Kent, and they have different people read each different person talking. So you kind of learn their. You're like, oh, I know that this voice is Dan Patrick or something, and it's kind of a good way to do it. Oh, yeah. they did that. So for the SNL book, they would get uh-huh. a guy that sounds like Mike Myers to be Mike Myers. Not even, not really that they sound like them, but like you learn after an hour that this voice means Mike Myers. You know what I mean? Like your brain. Yeah. Just they don't go Mike Myers. No, yeah. I don't. I don't know on that one, but I did a. Um, I did an oral history of The Daily Show on Audible a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, that it, was really good, too. It's really good, and they do that. Like, the first time they talk, it they'll say the name, and then once you kind of learn that voice, they just start talking. So, so you get to, you get to, so if you ever go back and, you know, if you're on Chapter 8, do they ever reset? And they're like... Yeah, it wasn't yeah. confusing. Uh-huh. That's all I remember. It oh, wasn't... That's, that's yeah. cool. I, yeah, yeah. I, I always avoided that. That's that's why I read the book version, because uh, I, I, I didn't know how they would handle that. Yeah, I can't speak for those, but I – because I like you. I read the the SNL one hard copy too. Live from New York is uh, definitely a recommend for me. I think I got a half-price book. It's it's been out for a couple of years. I got it confiscated my uh, junior year of high school for like a month. It was a huge bummer. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Mr. Barnes. Take that. Um, yeah, there's an updated version of the of Live from New York out as well. That came yeah, out. I need to read that. I, I got the year before. Yeah, it only the one I read. It stopped at like the Sherry O'Terry years. Yeah, that was the last. Yeah. He's he's done an update since then. Uh, it's James Andrew so, Miller is the, the so I won't, the main um, Shales is the other one, right? So the, I can get all my Abby Elliott content that I need right. backstage. Mm-hmm. Of she Abby actually reads her own because she didn't Good. have anything else to do. Yeah. <laughs> Good. A lot still of Chris Elliott. Still would, though. So I love yeah, Chris Elliott, man. Chris Elliott's great. Out. Do you guys Abby watch uh, Shit's Creek? Yes, I have. Uh, I have, yeah. I've watched like a season and a half of it. Yeah. That is my wife's favorite show, oddly. So I see a lot of it. It's really funny. Those mm-hmm. those people are all Yeah, fantastic. they get it. Eugene Levy's greatness. All right, we got one left each. It's kind yep. of a it's a wild card slot, so you can you can pick an app or some tech product, a podcast, anything you want. Richard, lead us off. Give yeah, us- my favorite thing is, and this is my favorite thing of the whole year combined of uh, across all things. Mine's a human, and he's a nineteen year old wonder kid, and his name is Luka Doncic. <laughs> Dang, he stole mine. Bummer. He's yep. the best. So that is my favorite thing of the year, and uh, not even close. Kent, yeah. what about you? He recommended Luka Don, Doncic. Yeah. 
It's not a recommend. It's a favorite thing. This right. is oh, yeah. favorite. I do recommend him, however. Just, I do. I highly recommend him to everyone. But I, yeah. I he is my favorite case, thing of the like, year. We're a, we're a family friendly podcast, so I can't recommend my uh, favorite <laughs> thing of the year. Um, just kidding. Not better, but seriously, uh, I'll do it for the VIPs only. Uh, that was no. the old uh, John McKenney thing when he would get in trouble in high school. Ken, he'd be like, "I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. Uh, just kidding." But seriously, if I if I did yeah, that, would I be exactly. would I be in trouble? <laughs> Two teachers? Yeah. No, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do that. I really I did, did though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my favorite thing i uh, I had a big um, I don't know side hobby this past year of digitizing my movie collection. And yes. that was a fun a little uh, Ron Swanson project. And I really like that. And the platform Plex is what I'm recommending. If you're, if you're looking to do that, just research Plex P L E X uh, and, uh, and do that. It's well worth the time and investment. All I had to do was buy a hard drive and, uh, and a DVD drive to do it. And, uh, and it was, it's been awesome to have my movie collection on my iPad or iPhone or on my computer at work or wherever I would need to potentially access a movie that I have in my library. And it's, uh, it's been great. And I can still buy movies and, and put them on there and, uh, and do that whole thing. So Plex is my service slash app slash Netflix type thing slash uh, favorite thing of the year. Does it Plex. put everything, like if you buy through different digital, let's say you bought a, two movies on Vudu, one on Amazon, and one on iTunes, could you put them all in Plex digital versions or they have to be hard no. copies? No, you have okay. to have, you have to have like a file of the movie. Gotcha. Basically. So, it, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about like taking your movie, uh, like if you you have School of Rock on... 4k blu-ray richard right. for you for example that's too uh, intense for me i can't yeah no you you have too much crying laser disc so if you want to <laughs> get your laser disc and put that into a digital file yeah, yeah. is there a plex, laser disc ripper that we yeah. can get cause... that's what you, that's what i'm talking about but yeah so basically i had an entire shelf of dvds you know and i'm like wow 90 percent of these i'm watching already on netflix or some other service or um, I'm only going to watch when we're doing a throwback episode for the show or going back and doing a retrospective or some something like that, which is once every couple of years. So I just wasn't going to access them enough to justify having a physical object in my house of it, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and so I just researched it a little bit, and it's been great. It's been a great service, and Plex is uh, the key to it all because, it, uh, yeah, it's the app that allows you to access them all. But it's still hosted on your own computer. On my hard drive, like my com- my computer has to be awake and connected to the internet. But um, so the cloud's not actually hosting my f- files unless you pay an upgraded fee to do that. But uh, but yeah, great stuff. I can hook you guys up with uh, with how to do it. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, I'm gonna have Brian, to you Brian, to walk, walk Brian, this will be a great year. project for you to do. But he still won't. Get, he's not gonna get rid of the. Yeah, I'll just put it in the box. I know. I I still have a lot of my Blu-rays because there are a lot of that I do want to keep. But uh, I would say I got rid of seventy percent of my DVDs, which is a great feeling. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to have you walk me through that sometime. So at some point this year, for sure, Uh, because that that would be that would be very helpful. 
I am going to recommend a – I'm just going to recommend another podcast. I don't have a tech thing because I'm not very tech savvy. I'm very dumb, as you guys know. Uh, I love – Conan O'Brien is my favorite comedian, at, maybe my second favorite person behind Dirk and right in front of Luca. Uh, and I have been longing for him to do more – something different than his show on TBS because it's just kind of gotten to be a bummer watching that show at times and – this year, just very recently, he just launched his his new podcast. I know I recommended it previously. Uh, the Conan O'Brien needs a friend, and I have loved every episode. It's been he's so good in in that format. He's a fun interviewer. He gets he's gotten really solid guests thus far who are very funny in their own right. And the ads are really hilarious. His back and forth with his intern and whatnot is is great. So I've it's can't recommend it highly enough. It's it's been uh, one of the more enjoyable podcast experiences that uh that i've ever had i've 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 loved loved every episode so uh, it's uh conan o'brien needs a friend on and the, his archive the is either yes. coming or about to be coming on very soon i think i haven't checked yeah yeah they said very, first very year soon. but i'm just looking now i don't see it anywhere but yeah, on, yeah. online he's doing his late mm-hmm. night archive all the yeah. everything all, from late night yeah. is going online online he's, oh cool except except for the yeah. music sorry right he said yeah. you're going to be able to just like you can it'll ha- it'll be in various formats but that you could be like man I feel I remember him doing some weird bit in 1997 with this guy or something and you can just search it and it will it will pop up. So Gosh. I'm pumped. Man, that that had to have been a part of the deal that they were keeping from a long time for NBC Yeah, Lor- Lauren's in charge now, right? So I think that's part of it. I think it's No, he the, that was part of his he talked about it a little. I don't I think it was when he was on the Bill Simmons podcast about okay. he, that's okay. why he held out so long on the buyout is because he wanted to own all this stuff. That's that right. was really okay. important to him. Okay. So yeah, he's had they, it the whole they, time. But NBC it just, owns all his bits, like all his uh, yeah, but sitting at all, his desk and doing the whole thing with the right. green screen. He can't do that anymore because that was the compromise, I think, is that he wouldn't continue yeah. doing the bits, but he would own the archive of them. So he got so I think they've just been basically in the equivalent of storage for and then some guy went through and. And uh, did it all, so it's pretty cool. Pretty Great, digitized pretty it. That's not cheap. No. <laughs> but they a... got that TBS, that Big Bang syndication TBS money. <laughs> yeah, they do. Digitize all those tapes from yeah. every episode and log them. Right, right. Fun. They fun just borrowed some job. money from from Wallowitz. He was right. like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's cool." What's yeah. your uh, <laughs> your last recommend, Richard? Oh, I did mine. Luca Doncic. Yeah. Oh, Luca. First okay. and forever. I thought you were joking. But you're not. Second Absolutely that. not. Second that. that is my favorite thing, and I will hold to it. He's perfect. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up, man. Yeah. That was cool. fun. That was fun. We'll, we'll post these on the uh, old Instagram, and you can scroll through and get a... Get a look if you if you miss something here and need a, a reminder of what uh, what the things we talked about here. We'll we'll put that up on Instagram. So follow us there at Mad About Movies Podcast. All right, that was fun, guys. 2018's over, but we're still talking about some of its movies. We're gonna take a breather real fast here. Maybe, uh, maybe make a, a little ad. money. Yeah, we're yeah. Gonna make a little money here, and then we will be back with a special guest to talk Bumblebee. I, and listen to this ad. I think you guys will really like it. It's a new one. I don't know about you guys, but I often find myself limited by the geographic and biological limits of my local aviary situation. As a Dallas denizen, Mockingbird means more to me than just a street I take to get to the tollway. And while the red-tailed hawk is majestic while nesting or even more so in flight, I find myself bored by both species seeming omnipresent. 
Well, not anymore. Bird Box is a new subscription service that ships you a monthly package of a captured, euthanized bird from an exotic location around the world. For only $14.99 a month, you can receive anything from an African fish eagle to an Indian paradise flycatcher and maybe even a king penguin captured and humanely euthanized and shipped from the South Pole. But it doesn't stop there. Head over to Bird Box and use the promo code Mad About Movies Podcast. Kent, Brian, and Richard review movies on a podcast to receive this exclusive offer. Available only for our listeners. Your seventh month free and your ninth month 31% off. Once again, that's M A D A B O U T M O V I E S P O D C A S T K E N T B R I A N A N D R I C H A R D R E V I E U I E W, pardon me, M O V I E S O N A P O D C A S T to receive your seventh month free and your ninth month 31% off. That's almost 1964 in savings. Bird Box, bringing you around the world one bird carcass at a time. Take flight with Bird Box. All right, man. That is, I'm so pumped for that new sponsor, Richard. That's gonna be that's gonna be a big sell. Yeah, seriously, that's that may change some things around here. Um, we are joined now by our guest. We're gonna be talking Bumblebee here in a second. So let's say hello to our new lovely VIP, Andrew. How's it going, Andrew? Not too bad. How are you? Good, man. Good. Thanks for thanks for being here today. If you are interested, if you're listening to this, you're interested in. Uh, and being a VIP, you want to go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP and sign up for our VIP club there. You will get access to throwbacks and bonus content, as well as a whole bunch of other cool stuff like a handwritten note. Beautiful, beautifully handwritten note uh, by yours truly. So be on the lookout for that, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Andrew, we like to start our guests off with a couple of questions to uh, to make sure that we're all on the same page and that you're up to the quality and the standards of this here podcast. So let's uh, let's ask you this, my friend. Have you seen Now You See Me? I have. That's the is that the one with Steve Carell and uh, what? No, no, that's the. Uh, <laughs> I'm just that's magical. So, Burt Wonderstone. How <laughs> dare you? Wow. I, I couldn't wow. Favorite Olivia Wilde film, you know. But um, how dare no, you yeah. insult Steve Carell like that? I mean, honestly. <laughs> I have confused him with now you see me. I mean, he's he's having a hard time. I mean, lay off. (laughs) (laughs) I have indeed seen uh, now you see me. Okay, Uh, great movie or greatest movie? Let me ask you that. Uh, Great movie. I I don't think I can (laughs) quite put it greatest, but uh, great movie. Mark you down for great. Perfect. Perfect. Um, What's your favorite movie? Just straight up. Somebody asked you on the street. uh, What's the first movie that jumps to mind? Oh, uh, it's a classic, uh, Dr. Zhivago, old school, but nice. uh, that nice. kind of always just stays at the top for me. So nice. got to go with that. You might be too sophisticated for us. The last person we asked that question said that it was right now it was blended. The Adam Sandler, <laughs> Drew Barrymore movie. So, uh, right now though, it could change at any moment, but That's at the fair. moment it was, it was, so we're here talking Bumblebee. This is the sixth film in the Transformer Paramount Cinematic wow, Universe. Really? Yeah, I think so. Right? That that the the King Arthur one was five, right? Am I right about the that? The Galileo one. 
Yeah. Yeah, the gal that was five. The got so angry. Okay. Transformers uh, V. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it's still playing, by the way. It's the only movie I've ever walked out of because I had been there for eight hours and it was just not even close to wrapping up. It's still still going two years later. This is the first Transformers movie in, in this universe without Michael Bay involved. Uh, in the director's I, chair. Yeah, I think he, I'm sure he He's produced. still a producer, yeah. Okay, all right. I'm going to have a hot sports opinion here and say that this movie's better off for Michael Bay not being directly involved. <laughs> uh, maybe that was the problem all along, as literally everybody said. So I, I, I took the kid to see this one after Christmas. It was... Uh, I was shocked. I, I, I know I'm sure you guys are in the same boat that the Rotten Tomato score was as high as it was. And the, the buzz was was as Batman Shane likes to say was pretty good, was, was very positive surrounding this. Uh, yeah, I took the kid. I enjoyed myself. I it's I don't think it's like something that's going to recreate the blockbuster as we know it. But it certainly has the ability It may have the ability to recreate this franchise. And goodness, did it need it. Um, I have some. There's some bits that are, eh, you know, I'm not so sure that that was great. And I have some real questions about the timing of the release. Seems like a poorly thought out idea to put this out opposite Aquaman and Poppins and Spider-Verse and the mule and <laughs> everything else. But but still, I think this is a, if this is what we are to see from the inevitable Transformers uh, universe sequels and and franchises and whatnot from here on, I think it's a good sign, and it it certainly are at a it's it's at a place and of a quality that the previous, at least the last four Transformers movies have not reached. So I I, I enjoyed my time with it and and thought it was a, a an you know a, a good step into making just competent blockbuster type movies. But Andrew, let's start with you, man. What, uh, give us your general thoughts. What's your attraction to, you know, the Transformers universe? Why'd you want to be on this episode maybe, but more than anything, give us kind of a, a mini breakdown of, of how you're feeling coming out of, uh, of this movie. Sure thing. Uh, I've always been a fan of Transformers. I think the, uh, the eighties cartoon movie is one of the best kind of fun little flicks out there for these these types of things. And I, I really enjoyed uh, the first Transformers movie in the series. I thought it was serviceable. It was enjoyable. All of, um, you know, Shia LaBeouf's little quirks and whatnot weren't the end of the world just yet. That slowly deteriorated uh, as the movies continued. But this one in particular, as I started to hear about who was involved and that Michael Bay wasn't and everything, I kind of thought that it had the opportunity to get things back on track. And then when the first trailer came out, I was pleasantly surprised. And then when I started seeing kind of the reviews and everything, I got kind of excited again for a Transformers movie. And so um, I was I was pleasantly surprised because I went in with pretty low expectations, as you already mentioned. Mm -hmm. The most recent movie was pretty terrible, and I'm having trouble forgiving the franchise for casting Stanley Tucci in back-to-back -back movies in completely different roles and not <laughs> acknowledging that reality, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. But I thought the movie showed that, you know, uh, it. I thought the story was nice. It was pretty contained, uh, not over the top. It was pretty easy to follow. I thought the Transformers themselves looked great. They, you know, I, I never liked that in the other movies, all the Decepticons were kind of that dark gray and that all the robots mm -hmm. had this color as part of their palette. And 
kind of the attention to detail made it more enjoyable to watch and made it feel more like a Transformers movie that I was interested in seeing. And I thought the kind of tapping into the 80s thing, which is very popular right now, worked for the movie. They leaned into it hard. But uh, overall, I just found it to be really entertaining, which is all I can ask for sometimes with these types of movies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're spot on there for sure. Uh, Kent, what do you think? Uh, give us your general thoughts on on old Bumblebee. Yeah, I've always been a a fan of the property of Transformers. Oddly, uh, even though none of the movies have been particularly good, uh, I would rank Transformers the first one, two thousand seven, as like a B minus, and then I would rank all the ones after that significantly lower than that. Mm-hmm. So to yeah. say that this thing, so to, so to say that Bumblebee is the best Transformers movie, is not <laughs> much of a compliment at all. And that's yeah. like the main thing I hear. It's like it's arguably the best Transformers movie. It's like <laughs> if this isn't arguably like clearly the best Transformers movie, I don't want to see it. You know, like type of thing. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I I think this one was more well thought out. It was okay. Let's take a step back. Let's get a fresh writer in here that has a new perspective let's get a new fresh director in here who has a has experience with animation and doing these types of sequences in animation that since this is animation really anyway um yeah i thought the Haley steinfeld um female protagonist thing doesn't always work and it feels forced at times but i thought in this scenario it really felt natural and and felt uh, right for this story. The, uh, I don't know, the like Herbie fully loaded vibe to it, you know, kind of worked uh, as a throwback kind of Disney movie feel. And I think that's probably why they put it at Christmas. It really does kind of have a family movie quality to it and, uh, more than most of the other Transformers do. Um, Definitely. Way yeah. less controversial. You know, the robots yeah. aren't not racist. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're not racial stereotypes. Um <laughs> They they just look better. They're not as jagged. Uh, they're not just jagged pieces of uh, metal flying during the action scenes. You could actually see see them. They, they take a lot of uh, I don't know hints from. I feel like uh, what was that movie with Jackman? The like my, robot fighting movie. You know, Real Steel was oh, that. Yeah, you know, yeah. or Pacific Rim and, and some some of these newer uh, uh, mecha movies. For the mm-hmm. for the design and movement, but yeah, I really liked the designs and 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 the reset. I think aesthetically, it's very similar to Michael Bay. I wouldn't necessarily remove this from the conversation in those movies. You know, from those movies, mm-hmm. uh, I sure. think it's kind of a mistake to for them to associate it with those movies anymore. You know, like they already are. I think they should do a complete reset and not even have Michael Bay as a producer. If I'm being completely honest. I think that would be the best thing, but uh, you know, aesthetically these are very similar. It's just a different director and a new a new perspective, which they desperately mm-hmm. need. But but yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of on both sides of it. I think this is a this is a really entertaining movie. This is this is one I'll watch again because I think the lead actress is is that strong, and and so are the supporting roles are aren't really fat of the movie you know they're they're actually kind of the meat of the movie too which uh, these other transformers movies are so cliche and and just dumb Mm -hmm. in every level and every character is dumb 
uh, this one actually had a lot of heart to it and I appreciated that too. So, so yeah, um, I, I guess I'm kind of on the fence about where I am going to fall on it, but it's definitely the best Transformers movie, which is to say <laughs> it's better than dog crap. So yeah. 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 I, I'm with you. Uh, Richard, what are your, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. I'm going to say, I mean, was, oh, I liked it. I will say, um, I'm going to say the same thing here that I said on my Amazon review of my Alexa echo. Um, I wish the robots were more racist, but uh, well, that's, you know, that's just personal taste. I like my robots. Right. You're on record. Racist. It's fine. I'm we on understand. the record. Always have been. Um, no, I mean, those Transformers movies um, are, are the, that's, the, you know, it's really fun to do this show and to talk with you guys every week and meet new people like Andrew and interact with, with listeners of the show um, and, you know, have a VIP feed and all the stuff that we have that we really enjoy doing. It's such a joy in our lives as, as we take in and give thanks in the new year. The tax you have to pay are Transformers movies. Oftentimes, hey. seeing them. Yeah, yeah as them. we start the sixth year of the show, we started off with a Transformers movie. So <laughs> yeah. that's very, the sixth Transformers movie. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> It's so it was nice that this was something that wasn't a tax, that it was uh, an enjoyable theatrical experience. I'm a little less on it. Not that I don't think it's very good. It's just I don't see myself ever watching this again until I maybe have a kid because it's kind of a good family movie. But it's not something I'm ever going to revisit. But it was a lovely little forgettable movie with some enjoyable parts to it. And I, I'm the thing that the only annoyance I had is just that why was this not out like we said in August or September where it could have made a lot more money and given us something to talk about on mm-hmm. doing this show as amongst when we were a million other movies out right now, um, but it did keep me from from having to see the mule. So wins all around <laughs> so far. Yeah, so, so far. far, so far. Yeah, no, I t- I totally agree with you. It's a um, it was nice to be able to, to take my son to a Transformers movie. I I don't. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm super crazy protective about like what he can and cannot see. Uh, he's a big fan of Get Out, as you guys know. But yeah, it, it, he, speaking of Shia LaBeouf, Nymphomaniac, volume right. one and two, he loves. Yeah. yeah, he's, but only in 4K. Um, he's like, he's a big time HD snob. <laughs> but um, those Transformers movies, number one, I, I don't feel like I could even show it. I mean, like, I just feel like if. They're Man. unwatchable. They're unwatchable. It's not even <laughs> just that they're. And I like Transformers. Like I, yeah, I, that's, that's I, I want to like, say that they're watchable. I want to. No, I would love no, to say that. But, horrendous. They're horrendous. Yeah. I mean, truly, truly, those are some. The of The last worst night movies. might be the worst movie I've ever seen. I, I, I mean, you, it's in the conversation. We have yeah. reviewed well over four hundred movies on this show. Uh, over the last whatever six years, and it's in the conversation for the worst movie that we've talked about. It's it's horrible, and it's really not that much worse than four or three or two. I mean, they're they're awful. So it's not just as the content is questionable and spots. I I let him watch plenty of like PG thirteen movies, and we just kind of like, hey man, you don't say that or whatever. But they're also four and a half hours long each and they are insufferable. And it's like, I cannot, even if they were, there wasn't any kind of content issue at all. Cause I know that's not a thing for plenty of people and that's totally fine. But like, there's no way my kid could sit through any of those movies and have an enjoyable time. This was like kind of a bre- breath of fresh air on that front. It was less than two hours long. It was, 
it moved very quickly. It's it, the, clearly the story is the, taking kind of a back burner to literally everything else that's that's going on. But that's fine because at the heart of it, this is just a kids' movie, and it's it's really nice to me that they finally kind of treated it like a kids' movie and try instead of trying to make it, I don't know, some sort of elevated. Um, epic space battle thing you know what i mean it's just it it finally i felt like maybe more than anything else with travis knight at the helm it found the tone that the rest of these movies have desperately uh missed on and desperately needed to find and and just somehow or continually stepped all over and you know made mark Wahlberg a texas inventor and involved Patrick Dempsey and all these other things that just never needed to happen. And you, you sit down and you watch this and I, I'm, I'm with you, Richard, like it is kind of underwhelming as a movie itself. It's not, it's not some, it's not something that I'm going to remember uh, in, in two months or something, but it was, it was competent. And I, there's so many other, not just Transformers. There's so many other blockbusters that that is my main complaint is like, why can't it just be competent? And that was, uh, so that was a that was a nice a nice change. Um, Andrew, you mentioned the the Transformers movie from the 80s, the cartoon that uh, so many so many of us grew up on. I wasn't a huge Transformers guy growing up, but that was a that was kind of a seminal seminal moment of of seeing that movie, and it was you know a little dark and edgy. And we're killing off characters that are important to us and stuff. Um, so I know you're you're a big fan. How did it? How did Bumblebee hit you as far as a, as a fan goes? Like as a fan of Transformers, did you feel like they got it right? Did they hit the tone right? Did they treat the quote unquote characters correctly? How how did you feel on that front? Uh, yeah, no, I I definitely think they did. I mean, I think there's still, um, as Ken already said, like the the bar was so low that this being above it is. Not exactly a, a giant feat, but I think it was a huge step in the right direction. And I think they've mm. gotten a lot of things kind of on the right path. And part of it is just making it smaller. You know, it's just one Transformer. It's it's one primary human that it's interacting with. And that relationship felt a little more real in some <laughs> ways than it does in the other things where it felt forced because you have this whole whatever chosen one whatever i don't even know in the other movies the whole wit wiki stuff but the yeah. the 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 point being i didn't have to worry about any of those things because that wasn't what it was it was this kind of smaller self-contained story the stakes were high enough that you were invested in the characters but they weren't so high that you were asking yourself over and over again you know how many times can the world be threatened and things mm -hmm. like that and so i think in in those ways this the tone w was good and i think the personality that came through in a, a a robot that doesn't have a voice kind of in developing how that stuff worked really well so i think yeah you know taking it down a notch as it was mentioned kind of more more on a kid level worked mm -hmm. worked really well um for the story and it made it feel i think a little more like I would have wanted in some of the other movies and a little bit that was there in the first Transformers, but then yeah. got overshadowed by all the explosions and John Torturo. So, <laughs> so much, so much Torturo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, Did I, anyone I think... catch that his character was in this movie, but a younger version? No, no. Yeah. I don't John remember. Cena? 
No, he's just a side agent, but John okay. Cena says, like, thanks, Agent Simmons. And I was I was hoping it was going to be uh, okay. a CGI de-aged John Turturro, <laughs> but sadly, they, they recast him for the film. So That's okay. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> um, Kent, you kind of touched on Haley Steinfeld a little bit. Give me, how do we feel about her as, not just in this movie, but in movies in general? I, I, I have a hard time. I thought she was so great in, in True Grit a few years ago, and then since then it's been a little more up and down. I'm not really sure what to do with that, but how do we feel about her? And I assume the answer on this, but just to make sure, how do maybe give a little compare and contrast her versus LaBeouf in, uh, in the original, the original canon trina- trilogy. As I like well, she it. can speak a sentence, so <laughs> she's not stuttering every word. Uh-huh. She's not Jeff Goldblum at, at 14. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's just a solid actress. She has good comedic timing. Um, she can act against a inanimate object pretty well. Um, she's not. She doesn't rely on quirks like Shia LaBeouf did for his humor or anything like that. She's approachable. She's got a kind of girl next door feel to her. She's not Megan Fox like. Just obviously cast because she's uh, a bombshell like that Victoria's Secret model was in the second Transformers, you know, Uh, type of situation. So she's got credibility. She's uh, successful. She's got a music career going that's really doing good, too. So um, I'm I'm pro Steinfeld. I wish she didn't have a name so close to Seinfeld, but that's the only (laughs) thing she's got. Stunt, yeah. stunt field. I was watching stunt field last night. <laughs> Former Rangers manager Ron Washington famously said, right. "I was watching stunt field last night." <laughs> he just was watching Pitch Perfect too. That's the thing. Yeah, he, he was, was watching Steinfeld. No yeah. interest in in the Seinfeld. Just big Pitch Perfect fan. Big fan of cocaine as well. Um, I haven't really seen it or anything in anything except it, for though? Pitch Perfect and. And True Grit, though, so I don't know. I mean, she's really good in Edge of Seventeen, which was last year, year before last. Um, didn't see that. that. Yeah, that was one that it didn't. It had a. It, that's kind of a classic. Like it had so much buzz coming in, and then uh, probably I can't remember when it came out. It just kind of kind of came and went once it actually released. But she was very good in that. Um, she she's an she's an interesting one. There are times in this movie. Hey, for one thing, I think she fits what they were going for really well. That was it was very good casting just on a, a fit standpoint. Um, but there's spots where you kind of feel like she's really she's really bringing it acting wise, and then there's kind of spots where you're, it's, she's a little bit less impressive from a purely acting standpoint. And that's totally fine. It's a freaking Transformers movie. It's not like. Steve McQueen directed this or something, but honestly, uh, when 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 I heard she took this role, I was like, oh no, because I thought because yeah, I liked here, her, here. and I was like, oh, yeah. she's gonna go down this path, and it's she's gonna take the money route instead of the I'm gonna do mm-hmm. good movies route, right. <laughs> which and but she I don't know, she must have read the script. The script is really good. I don't know much about this writer. We need to talk about her a little bit later too. Uh, she's an unknown, but this is a pretty yeah. solid script for a Transformers Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Uh, Arby, <laughs> did you, uh, f- well, first of all, I want to compliment John Cena on, I've never, I couldn't see him, obviously, the entire yeah. movie, but just his voice was, yeah, 
compelling and impressive and yeah. uh he, he did a great job how'd you feel how'd you feel cena did in this because he's he's kind of busting out right like he's turning into uh yeah. he's he had blockers earlier this year he's had he's had a few things so like he's he's kind of becoming a thing but this but i feel like this is maybe the this is certainly the first time we've we've reviewed a movie that he is a, like the second or third lead in okay uh, well obviously you didn't hear my marine solo app um <laughs> marine six yeah uh <laughs> No, yeah, he's, you know, it, this is interesting for him because he's, I think, now transitioning from, hey, isn't it funny that John Cena is a funny supporting comedic actor to let's see if I can do some more, what you would expect when you look at him, kind of action type mm-hmm. roles. Um, yeah, he's fighting this. I, I, he's kind of still in that. And The Rock was like this at the beginning, too. Not saying he'll have the career of The Rock. The Rock at first was kind of the, the less of him was better. Yes. Uh, at first, like he could light up the screen for six minutes, and now he can light it up for in a you know not you know rampagey type script, but in a good movie, um, mm-hmm. he can light the screen for two hours. Um, so I think that's kind of the smart way to go about it is to just start trying to steal scenes and go through it. Those wrestlers are smart about that. I think they really understand as weird as it is from wrestling, like how that works, um, and kind of working your way up through the through the ranks sure. of, of Hollywood. So. Um, yeah, no, I thought he was, he was very good in this. What'd you think? I'm, I'm a, I'm a love scene though. He always makes me happy. Yeah. I've enjoyed him as somebody who I've never watched a rush, wrestling match and I never will. Um, I, you're going to come I, to WrestleMania one of these years with Kent and I, and it's okay. going to change your life. Uh, maybe if that bird box money really pays off. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed him in, in train wreck a lot. Obviously he's maybe the, maybe the best part of train wreck, which is saying something that's a very good movie. Uh, he's great in sisters. Cause you're, you're right. It's, kind of uh the less of him the better he is and at least to this point this time uh i he's very funny in blockers which is a little kind of an underrated comedy from from earlier in in 2018 there were there were mo- it took me a while to get on board with him in this because there were times when it felt like he was kind of being a little schlocky and and wink at the camera e and no one else was so it was like he's kind of off doing his own movie and and no one else was involved it was just it was kind of it was very odd he was very he's very cheesy and purposefully so but i couldn't tell if there was times when i couldn't i couldn't get a feel for whether he was in on the joke or not and i assume he is because he's you know i know who how he is but it was just an odd it was an odd feeling but i uh, somewhere in there uh, either he kind of switched it a little bit or maybe I just got used to it and I, I felt like the back half of the movie for me was better on his front and more enjoyable. Like it felt like everybody was all in on the same joke or on the same page for jokes at that point. Um, but I'm I'm excited for <laughs> I'm excited for what we have from from Cena moving forward, which is such a funny thing. But you're right, Richard, you have a theory about that uh, Hollywood should be pilfering the ranks of of the wwe can kind of continually <laughs> for for talent and uh and because they're all really well trained and they know how to yeah, do it's this like soap they... op- it's exactly like soap operas it's just yeah. like it's you like get a million it confuses reps. me how brian is not all in on wwe it's so <laughs> it's such a fun thing to follow from just like richard and i watch i don't know three pay-per-views a year or something like that yeah and it's the greatness. It's so it fun. Is. And just the Undertaker shows up randomly. And <laughs> takes twenty five no, minutes to walk down the aisle. It's great. As silly as the material is, it's like I always say about soap operas. Like I'm 
especially Australian actors, all come from that like neighbors soap opera. Um, but a lot of American actors come from soap operas too. Your Alec Baldwin's of the world. Um, uh, it's just reps, you know. And so, and then uh, it's just even though the material is garbage, you know, you, if you're on a soap opera, you're doing five hours a week. If you're in wrestling, you're doing probably ten hours a week, and you're in front of a live audience. And so, yeah, it's not you know you're not doing Othello every night, but you're mm -hmm. very comfortable. The thing about Cena and The Rock and those guys is I don't think when they get on a Transformer set, they're nervous yeah. <laughs> because and that is like uh, that in those type of roles really manifest. You can really tell on the screen because it's like they're very comfortable. And if the material's good, um, then they're going to they're going to bring it. Now, there's only so many roles for those guys because they look ridiculous because they're massive. But a Transformers is a good place for them. There, there is an argument to be made that every actor in a Transformers movie should be a wrestler because, <laughs> you know, you're not really looking for Daniel Day-Lewis, but, right. but no, the, those guys that have that spark, obviously the ones that make it in wrestling. Yeah. Why wouldn't it translate? I mean, it's not that if you give them decent material, it's not surprising. I, everyone's always so shocked when they're good. It's like, it makes total sense to me because, mm -hmm. yeah, because those guys do three hours of TV a week more than that and then what people don't realize is they do live shows that aren't televised like four days a week i mean they're in front of fifteen thousand people every day that's mm -hmm. crazy yeah yeah it's a great training program for sure um i'm not i'm not totally sure there's a whole lot of stuff to, to dive in deep on and spoil but we will say spoilers here and uh you know go see the movie if you're interested in transformers and bumblebee it's definitely a, a major upgrade from from where we've been left for the last decade or so a lot of, de a lot of decepticons fighting autobots <laughs> yeah i, I don't how do i want are we going to argue about how this resets the timeline of <laughs> i don't want to but i don't know andrew do you want to argue about resetting the timeline or anything like that? what 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 jumps out to you as a positive what's something you, you enjoyed from from this movie that maybe is a little 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 deeper maybe spoilery is, is fine at this point anything anything jump out uh i i can't really think of anything other than i saw this with some some friends of mine and we were talking about one of our big takeaways at the end was uh the bully girl using the death of the father like as a <laughs> a sick burn and we were like is that is that something that happens in real life um that was that was pretty egregious we felt but otherwise uh yeah the timeline thing with the post credit scene also or mid credits or at the very end after the director's listed also did make me think about where things started in the first movie and where that left things mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's good i liked the the setting i don't know how you can how you felt about going all in on the 80s i thought that was a pretty smart move because it gives you a chance you can operate on nostalgia as well as kind of reset this and like an, uh, yeah it seems like an easy an easy yeah. chance for them to operate on the nostalgia of the people that were fans of the original cartoon mm -hmm. series and toys and um also do a prequel but yeah. it confused me a little bit that they did this as a direct prequel to transformers 2007 because I would have thought they would have want this to be a prequel that they could do 10 Bubblebees and then set up Transformers 07, you know, because this seems sure. to go directly into like when uh, when he transforms into the Camaro. I guess he's going to unless he's the Camaro for uh, the, <coughs> excuse me, the rest of the series, mm -hmm. you know, they sure. really set it up like he drives straight into Witwicky's uh, auto shop or whatever it was, wherever he got the. Uh, <laughs> Or Bernie Mac's auto shop, I should say, whatever it was. <laughs> sure. 
Sure. Yeah. Regardless of I, hmm, I, I had to be honest with you. I hadn't put too much thought into that. I hope that it's whether they now accelerate twenty five years or twenty years and and head into uh, the mid two thousands or or all the way to the present day or not. Perhaps stop. What I'm saying, I don't. I don't know why they're trying to tie it in so much to the old ones. Like, why can't you yeah, just? Yeah, yeah. I hope it's a reset. I hope they're just using that as as a kind of a platform for. Well, we can kind of go. We're not tied to the Haley Steinfeld Bumblebee story at this point. We can kind of go wherever we want. I, I, I've, I've heard this I isn't like really a reset. It's more of a. This is like a solo, a Star Wars story of the Transformers series. Okay. You know, okay. it's just kind of a side thing that they're doing. So Michael Bay is still yeah, like all in on the cash side of things. I think he's like, is, right. if Transformers is going to be big, I'm going to be making money. Like, and yeah. that's pretty much it, you know? Um, so I guess, I guess he's kind of got control over where, what happens to it, sadly. Mm-hmm. Cause, mm-hmm. cause it could be good. Yeah. This no, is, I, this was fine. This was fun. I mean, this is a, I mean, I'd rather watch this than Aquaman any day. I mean, Same honestly. Here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The box office doesn't agree with us, but I don't care. Like, that's a, it's, this was, this, I saw this like two or three days after I saw Aquaman, and I'm not, I'm not going to just slam on DC. That's not my, like, Aquaman made a ton of money, and it's very successful, and all this sort of stuff, so it's fine, whatever. I don't, but there were plenty of times through this that I was like, man, why can't Aquaman just do that? Like, just be a little more refined and a little bit, a little more, honestly, probably a little more cookie cutter. Because sometimes the cookie, there's a reason why cookie cutter is cookie cutter. It's it's pretty, it's basic and easy. And there's parts of those DC movies that just that need a little bit of that. And and this was, this was that. It was like it was su- such a break from the scale of the previous Transformers movies. It wasn't an assault on the eyes the way those those Transformer movies are. And part of that's just by the nature of. There's really only three Transformers in the movie instead of thousands. I don't know. There's just so many, so many Transformers in those Transformers movies. So it's just kind of, I don't know, it was easier to watch. It was more enjoyable on that. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm totally with you, Ken. I think I think Aquaman could have used uh, like 15% more Bumblebee <laughs> to make it to make it play out. Yeah, um, and you know what yeah. the best thing about Bumblebee was? Out of there in an hour and fifty four minutes, yep. and yep. not can't, in there. Can't even. Yes, seriously. <laughs> I was gonna leave at two hours, no matter what. I was thrilled <laughs> I got to see the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Two hours uh, be the the standard for or less. Two hours or less for this kind of movie. Yeah. Brian, it's interesting that you brought up DC only because the writer of this movie ha- has written the Birds of Prey movie. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be interested to see if and Batgirl too. Yes, yeah. So I'll be interested to see if any of that translates. Yeah, because uh, I thought that there was some good, like I, I thought the script mm-hmm. served the movie well for the most part. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's not like a great script or anything, but it's that it doesn't have to be a great script. That's the thing. Yeah, it be. She did fine. Yeah, she, she did a very good job. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm a fan. I hope. I hope her first her first move is to change that title of Birdman. Yeah, I know. It's the worst. It's the worst. I wonder what Haley uh, Steinfeld's up to next. It's all it says she's doing is an Emily Dickinson TV show. Yeah. Like a miniseries. But that's it. Yeah. Maybe she's you, taking time off. 
could be. And this could be something that kind of relaunches. She's, but you're right. You said earlier, kid, she's got like the music and, and various other things. So she did a song with Florida talented. Georgia Line. So she's got it. Oh, she's okay. fine. And oh, Machine Gun oh, Kelly. So man. Oh, strongly dislike her now. That's a bummer. Um, I like her more. <laughs> Florida Georgia Line keeps the cup working for sure for uh, music videos. I like that. I like that at least. Uh, man, I. I'm kind of out here. Do you, anybody else have any kind of closing thoughts before we hit grade? How does this, where do you see it going from here? I guess, I guess they'll do an Optimus Prime movie probably at some point, maybe Bumblebee too. Yeah. Um, like you said, this didn't make a ton of money, but I think it got a positive enough response to justify mm-hmm. doing another one or giving yeah. John Cena, letting John Cena be the lead in, in the next one or something. Yeah. It did well overseas too. It's it's made well over a hundred overseas, so it'll be profitable. I still, uh, I have no clue why they put this out at the end of December. There literally there was not a movie that came out in August. Well, they saw that there was no, they saw that there was no Marvel movie, and they saw there was no Star Wars, and they <laughs> thought Aquaman was going to bomb. Honestly, probably, and they're like, yeah, we know this won't be great, but it will be better than Aquaman, and. Aquaman was passable, which was their worst nightmare, and it got people yeah, to the theater. No. Right? Don't don't do the same. At the very least, get a week of separation. But Spider Verse ate into it too. Mary Poppins. I just this kind of movie belongs in August or I don't know early May or something. Like it's it is a summery type. That's fine. I don't really care about the feel so much as just from a a strategic standpoint. Gosh, I feel like you probably could have doubled, if not more, your your opening weekend by move by being in August instead of December. It just seems like a very they, uh, most countries don't celebrate. You know, the summer is only like the summer in the U.S. So I think yeah. more studios are are just trying to push their bigger temple movies to the winter if they can. And I don't know. I, I think this is this is already a win for them. This is $130 million. This is proof that they can make these movies at this scale for hundred less than $150 million instead of doing $250, $300 million Transformer movies, yeah. which is yeah. big, big news for them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, there's no, no question Into the that. Spider-Verse is the – speaking of Haley Steinfeld, who is also in that as Gwen Stacy. She had a pretty good weekend. Um, that that was the, the wild card that nobody saw coming. It, that weekend that took a lot of these, you know, probably a lot of the guaranteed money that the, the people were forecasting was taken by mm-hmm. that, that being good and successful sure, uh, and still relevant at this time. Cause it came out of yeah. three weeks before, uh, before Christmas. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Anybody else closing thoughts before we get out of here? Travis Knight. What's he going to do next? Yeah. Superman he comes off great. that. Right, right. The the Yukon guy. Uh yeah, he comes off that the Leica coaching tree. Leica, Leica. I've yeah. never been a big fan of those movies. I mean they're technically incredible, just the you know, the look and the the stuff that they do to make those films. But uh I've done I don't I never cared for Paranorman or Box Trolls. Kubo was for me was by far the best one that they've done to this point, and that was the one that he directed. So Kubo's a really fun interesting uh well-made movie so it's it's nice to see him transition from from that to this and you, and you mentioned can't the outset i think 
I think that background works really well for this kind of movie and may have something to do with why they were able to do this one for 130, 135 million instead of 300 million like the previous Transformers movies have been. Absolutely. I'm ready to hit a grade. Me too. Let's start with you, Andrew. What's your what's your grade for this one? Uh, I'd probably give it, you know, it was, it was, I was highly entertained. I thought they did a great job. So I'll go with a A minus. Fair. Okay. Richard, how about you, man? I'm going to go with a B plus. Fair. Good. Kinto, how about you? I am going to go with a B. Okay. I think that's fair. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with you, Richard. I'm going to go B plus. Had a, it was a fun time enjoyable competent blockbuster type movie my kid loved it that's always a plus uh so yeah solid solid b plus from me so good those are hey all all passing grades that's a that's we we all gave territory we all gave it b's (laughs) yeah and moving on to weekly recommends weekly recommends Go ahead and give us a recommend, then, Bri. I, let's see. I am going to recommend a movie that I saw. I'm, I'm almost caught up on all the various movies that have come out over 2018 and, and getting to the important ones, uh, the ones I want to. I saw, have you guys seen Blind Spotting? It kind of came and went in like July, maybe, something like that. It's, uh, anyway, Blind Spotting is. Excellent. I watched that this oh, uh, yeah. week or two ago with Diggs, David. Right? Yeah, to be dicks. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty great. It's it's really has a lot to say. Obviously, it's very uh, culturally and socially relevant. And there's boy, there's so much working within it. And but it's also really, really funny. And it's got a lot of uh, a lot of kind of quirky production value. It reminded me a little bit of Sorry to Bother You, which came out like almost. It feels like the same exact time as this, and then, but it's a little bit more accessible than Sorry to Bother You, which really takes a strange turn in the third act and kind of left me uh, not, eh, maybe a little bit out on that. Uh, so this is a little more accessible and also I think does a better job of uh, making its point and getting its its uh, its story across. So, man, I don't know where you, I had to rent an actual disc. I'm sure it's available like on demand or something. I don't know that it's you know, streaming on Netflix or Amazon or something like that, but uh, it's it's well worth uh, well worth the time. And I've seen it on several top ten lists. I don't think it's going to quite make my top ten for 2018, but it's it's just on the outside, certainly in the top fifteen or so, and and is a a really uh, a worthwhile watch uh, for you guys, I would think as well. So check that out, Blind Spotting. Uh, Andrew, what's uh, what's your recommend, my friend? Sure, I'm going to go with an oldie but a goodie, and it was allegedly one of the inspirations for this movie, and it's up there as one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, The Iron Giant. So oh, nice, if you haven't nice. seen it, definitely should. Nice. My son recently, I say recently, it's probably a few months ago, he watched The Iron Giant four times in one day. So nice. uh, I'm a great great parent, great parenting right here. <laughs> I got a lot done that day, though, so that's that's nice. <laughs> Richard, what's your recommend, man? Yeah, mine's a documentary that's currently on HBO. Uh, it's a Vice special report uh, called Panic, and it's um, it's a really cool documentary. It's it's basically the same story as Too Big to Fail about the financial crisis in 08, but it's in documentary form, and, like, everyone's in it. So, obviously, they have 
um, Bernanke and Paulson and Geithner, but then they also have Barack Obama's in it and Carl like Wolf. gives an interview. Uh, George W. Bush is in it. And so it's like, you get, it's weird to see like presidents interviewed in a documentary setting, like chilling in a low back chair. Uh, and it's funny and interesting. And that's such an interesting time of American history. And if you're interested in that kind of thing at all, it's definitely better than like the dramatized too big to fail HBO movie and stuff. The documentary version is way better. So I highly recommend it. And no James Woods. So that helps. Ah, always, always an improvement. Although we're probably going to get sued now. That's unfortunate. Kent, what is your weekly recommend? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie. Um, that I don't know if you guys have gotten around to seeing uh, yet, but I'm going back and catching up on movies from 2018. It's one that I've caught up on, and it's weird. It's weird enough for recommend. I don't know if it'll make the list when we're whittling it down, but have you guys seen Mandy yet with Nicolas Cage? I have not. It's on my list of potential ones to get This through. is going to be... I don't, you probably should take it off your list, Brian. This is yeah, not a Brian super movie. Weird. That's what I've heard. It's like yeah. a Lars von Trier-like kind of yeah. thing going on. <laughs> but if you're into Nicolas Cage, uh, this is one of his. It's a good Nicolas Cage type movie. If you're into like what he what he's all about, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, Mandy. <laughs> it, it, that's all I'll say. Yeah, get yeah, recommend. It's, it's you know the weirder the movie is, the more <laughs> the more vague people are when they describe it, and that it, you just summed it up very well for me. It's like. Everyone who has recommended Mandy to me or on the internet or whatever is like, it's, uh, it's real Nick Cagey and it's, uh, <laughs> it's out there. And it's like, it's like everybody's is saying, Hey, I really like this, but I'm just, don't come complain to me if you watch it and you're like, what the heck is wrong with you? Like, it's, yeah. it's a weird, it's a really if weird. If you're movie. out on Sorry to Bother You, Brian, you'll definitely be out on yeah. Mandy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going to cross it off the list and take your word for it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but but it's uh it's one to maybe check out at your your local red box. <laughs> nice, nice. Sure. Well, cool. Well, those are some weekly recommends. Andrew, thank you so much for being here today, man. You were great. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And like I said at the outset, if you uh if you want more information on on uh the VIP club, you want to go to madamatmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Andrew, uh do you want to give out your uh your online presence if people are looking for you if they can they find you on twitter Instagram? oh sure yeah they can i'm uh, at uh cavalier kane that's with a k so k-a-v-a-l-i-e-r-k-a-n-e i don't tweet much but if you're interested feel free he's there all right cool kent where can i find you on the internet find me on twitter at kent garrison kentgarrison.com and on the instagram as well if you want to request me i'm, I'm vetting my people now on there Mm, smart, yeah, sorry smart yeah that's the way it goes when you've only hot bots he wants all <laughs> yeah only real people bots. out yeah. right uh, russian particularly uh yeah look when you're they in anyone best bots you gotta, there you gotta protect richard besides canadian news television if i'm looking for you where can i find you Hey, you can find me at Richard Barden, B-A-R-D-O-N, on all the socials. You can, uh, and uh, we've been slowing down on the, the uh, iTunes, iTunes reviews always help us with advertisers mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's been slowing down the last few months. So if you haven't ever before and you listen on iTunes, uh, write us a review. And uh, I won't even tell you what to give us. If you don't feel that we're worthy of five star, then then don't do so. But uh, but sure. if you want to, that's always yeah. nice. But yeah, just review us. Give us a little blurb and a, and a couple yeah. 
whatever stars you see fit. And I like that always patented helps. two star. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Not <laughs> me. Give us five stars or don't give us anything. Uh, you can find <laughs> me. What about you? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Beagle Twelve. You can find my writing at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Next week we're going to be talking Vice, I believe. We've got that might be our last full 2018 review. And then uh, towards the end of January, we'll do our final top 10 worst 10 of the year. So be on the lookout for that. If you want more of what we provide here, you want to go to again, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Sign up there for as little as a dollar a week to get access to our throwbacks, our bonus episodes. We have a Lost in Translation bon- or throwback that will be up uh, pretty soon here. And then we're doing, boy, we've got some fun stuff planned for 2019. We've got uh, we've got an Office Space episode, a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure episode, Dr. Strangelove. We're going to do some cool stuff in 2019. We'll have our throwbacks schedule out uh, pretty pretty quickly for uh, for the VIP to check out. Thank you again so much for being here. Thanks for listening to our foolishness and shenanigans. We will be back next week. But until then, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Your salad is scrambled eggs.